Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. No, I was like fully, I was like, if I'm in this, then I'm going to go all the way. And then so eventually, like, you know, we started making out and then, oh, it's about to get juicy in here. Hey guys, welcome back to TK's Juicy Pod. I am here today with the one and only Zach Peter. Hello. So I was literally stalking you today as us podcast hosts do. And I was obsessed, first of all, with your website. It's like so professional. I have actually never seen anyone have such a great website. Thank you. I mean, literally, it's so easy to book you. All myself. You killed it. I Googled like how to do it. If anyone needs like advice on like how to make a website and like how to be marketable to people, I highly suggest looking at yours. I'm not kidding. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You want to plug it? Yeah. Justplainzack.com. Yeah. I mean, honestly, and how did you make it? Squarespace. Okay. Love that. Like it's like a template and then I'm like, okay, this works and let's put a photo here and and type my name. Okay. And I did it. Literally, I was like, I felt like I had an idea of what you were like. And then I was went to your website and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) I was like, I know so much now. So I was like, this is very easy for me. It is all out there. So yeah, on your website and your Instagram bio and stuff, it says TV host, Mm -hmm. podcaster, writer, and pop culture junkie, Zach Peter. 
Okay, so we're going to pause the episode really quickly so I can talk about literally one of my favorite things on the planet, da-da-da-da, Anchor. So if you haven't heard about Anchor before, it's basically the easiest way to make a podcast, period. Let me just explain to you what they have. First of all, it's free, which like nothing's free anymore, so I feel like that's already your number one winner. Second of all, there's like all these different creation tools on the platform where you can make your own podcast and like you can record and edit it right from your phone or your computer, which is like crazy because you don't need all this fancy equipment. And like I said, it's free. So you're saving money that way too. And then my personal favorite thing about Anchor and like the main reason why I use it is because Anchor will literally distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on all different platforms that like basically any podcast can be distributed. So it can be heard through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many, many more. So all you do is submit your podcast link and they literally distribute it everywhere for you, which is incredible. And overall, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So it's super easy. I can't recommend it enough. I personally use this every week and I just love it so much. I recommend it to every one of my friends that wants to start a podcast. Even my brother uses it. So it's very user friendly and I definitely recommend. So be sure to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So don't miss your opportunity to make an awesome podcast and download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now let's get back into the episode. Hope you're enjoying it so far. What would you say is your main thing? Now I'm at a place where I am comfortable calling myself a writer and a podcaster. Like those are my two things. Got I'm you. a writer podcaster. And you have two podcasts, I noticed. Because mm-hmm. I knew about the no filter one, but the other one's adulting? Yes. Okay. So one's hashtag no filter with Zach Peter, and that's where we do pop culture news and celebrity interviews. Yes. You were on the show. That's what, yeah. Everyone go listen to our episode. <laughs> and then the other one is called hashtag adulting life hacks to get your shit together. Mm-hmm. So that one we bring on like experts and like thought leaders and like pick their brains about like how to get our shit together. We've had everyone from Jillian Michaels to Dr. Drew to Bulletproof's Dave Asprey. So yeah, we've had Oh wait, shut up. Yeah. Oh my God, I love Dave Asprey. He's so sweet. Oh my God, there's, I have so much to talk to you about. Okay, how'd you get him on on the show? I actually knew him through- My mom's um, like obsessed with him. She literally- I I love him. I ended up connecting with his Bulletproof company through my writing that I do for pop sugar and then I yeah I like to like see like what they would most be interested do you have the book coming out that they would rather promote on a podcast or did they need an article about a launch that they're doing and then I kind of build the relationship from there copy that so smart speaking of pop sugar Mm -hmm. you wrote this article Mm. about podcasters or up and coming podcasts or whatever can you tell me a little bit about that and like how you found me and like how we like connected and stuff yeah yeah. so pop sugar is like we want to do a bunch of of podcast roundups and originally it was like one or two that they you know were thinking of doing and I was like yeah I'm down I'll do it and I really wanted to do it because I know how much it would mean to me if somebody had featured one of my podcasts on on a publication like Pop Sugar and I was like I know so many good podcasts 
podcasters. I listened to so many good shows that I wanted to like be able to spread the love. Yeah. And so I took on like one or two of the roundups and they did really well. So they had me continue to do more of them. And then I was like, let's do one on like, you know, people that are maybe have a smaller social media influence. They don't have like 5 million followers or like 9 million. Followers. Yeah. They're not like a Joey Graceffer yeah. or Grace Helbig, but they're still, you know, very impactful on social media that also have podcasts. And they're like, oh my God, we love the idea. Yeah. And so I continued to dig more in, into doing research into different influencers. Uh-huh. And then I found your Instagram and yeah. I loved your polls. And I was like, this is such a fun concept. Uh, you're and then so I started fun. listening to the podcast. Yeah. Whose other podcast or whatever did you find mine through? I think it was through Remy Cruz and Alicia. And Alicia's the pretty basic. Yeah. Okay. Got you. Which is funny because I work for Alicia. Yeah. So you write for Pop Sugar, mm-hmm. I'm which a is so epic. So what does that mean? So I'm a contributor, so I can come in and pitch them ideas. Sometimes they give me ideas or sometimes they put out assignments for the contributors and we can like take them on a first come first serve basis. So I'm not like a full time employee. I'm more of just like an independent contractor that kind of dips in and out. When a writer comes in, is it like you like for me as like if I were to film something mm-hmm. and for the day, I would probably get paid by the day or like have a rate do you like a a rate that you give them for per article or how does that work so as a contributor I get a rate per article okay per article and it normally depends on the amount of work that it would take to to do like if it's an interview or if it's like an event coverage like that's going to be a little more than you know something that's like a personal essay got it okay okay cool so you started writing about all these podcasts which I feel like that article did well I don't know about on your end but like on my end, I like saw it in all my friends' Instagram yeah. stories and stuff. No, people love it. I mean, and, and to me, like, look, I, my podcasts aren't featured on any of the articles and like that would be a little funky of me to put my own podcast in, you know, a, a coverage article like that. But like for me, I was just like, I really just want to spread the love in a way like I have the opportunity to like share other people and like I'm not looking for anything other than hopefully to build connections with them. Like I love did. that. No, and, literally five seconds after I saw that article, yeah. I was like, who is this guy wanting on my <laughs> podcast? I've been hustling since I was like 15 years old. I mean, younger than last. I was like seven years old and I was like selling, you know, bootleg CDs to kids at school. Yeah, um, I love I, it. But like, yeah, I've always been a hustler. I always like to just spread the love any chance I can. So how did you find the other podcasts too? Really just going on, list, going to the podcast that I already listened to regularly. Uh-huh. And then on iTunes, they have like the, the requested, requi- the, the recommended it. ones. And then I just kept listening and, you know, building over the summer, just listening to different shows and, and building my list. Yeah, I mean, it was such a good article. I was literally shook. I was literally like, wait, I'm on this? How and why? (laughs) And it was so cool because obviously, like, a bunch of my friends, like, Gals on the Go. I'm, like, best friends with Brooke and Danielle. Ashley and Taryn from Unsolicited. And then Remy and Alicia from Pretty Basic, which I'm sure there was even more that I'm missing. But it was so cool. I loved it. So speaking of podcasts, who are your favorite podcasts to listen to? Currently, my favorite is The Skinny Confidential. Same. That's my favorite. Same, 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 Just same. because I always learn so much from their It's like cheeky, fun, juicy, but also you learn so much. Mm-hmm. So it's like a nice mix, I feel like, for people like us. Mm-hmm. When we, I don't want to listen to someone, like, talking to a wall giving me information. Yeah, yeah, I want yeah. it to be fun and entertaining, which I feel like they do such a good job with. And 1, didn't you have Lauren on your pod? Yeah, I know Lauren. I've had her on both of my shows, actually. I had her on No Filter, and then I had her and Michael on Adulting. So how'd you do that? I think I just reached out via email. Really? And it took like months. And, you know, their team was like, oh, we don't know. And we'll see. And then because I, I originally wanted to get both of them on because I just think podcasting is such a great way to like network with people. It and is. Meet people 
and like just like pick people's brain and they even talk about it on their podcast like Mike was always saying like don't ask me to go for coffee because that's such a you know not efficient use of either of our time but like you know ask them to do your podcast or ask them to interview them for a website or whatever leverage you have that you can whatever value you have that you can offer them you know lead with that and you're more likely to get their attention yes love that so actually I want to touch base and pause on like my notes for a second and talk about the don't take people for coffee thing Mm -hmm. some people have a very strong opinion about Mm -hmm. this so basically for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about actually the skinny confidential had a whole well the him and her show I know I listened to a podcast following that one and it was with Ryan Holiday and they said that they kind of got blasted for it and people were like wait why the heck would you say that because they were saying never ask someone just to get coffee because it's a waste of time but also in LA I feel like it's kind of like the culture to like meet people via coffee so what are your thoughts on that and do you understand where they're coming from I just I would love to know because I feel like especially when you're younger and like you're trying to make it in a way it's like how do you network with these people no absolutely I understand where they're coming from and I agree with them to like an 80% degree I would agree with that because I understand how somebody that's really busy doesn't necessarily have time to like go somewhere to have coffee with you that's why I've always leveraged like my podcast or something that like they said you need to give the other person some sort of value other because they're basically even though it's free even though you're buying them a coffee like I can buy my own fucking coffee you have to give them a reason to actually invest in that time because that time is so much more valuable than the the expense that they would pay for the coffee and they still have to take time out of their day and drive over to the coffee shop and sit with you and go through all the basic small talk and all that BS you know yeah so if you don't get coffee and you don't have a podcast how the heck do you get connected how do you provide value for them I mean I think it's unique to every person you know I mean for me I have two podcasts with two very different areas of focus adulting is obviously you know lifestyle and personal development and then no filters a lot more celebrity pop culture based and then you know and then I have like pop sugar like pop sugar has been a great way for me to connect with people as well because I can you know I can write that's how I got like Dr. Mark Hyman to come on my shows I featured his book on pop sugar and it built the connection from there so I think you just really have to look at everything that you have on the table and be like you know what what can I offer everybody has something to offer you just have to get creative with how to do that maybe it's a blog maybe it's your Instagram that's really popular maybe you're like hey can you do a call in on my Instagram and we do an Instagram Q&A live for 15 minutes got it and that fosters that connection completely agree what are your thoughts on like if someone asks you to get coffee like are you down or like does it depend on the person no I mean I think it depends I just actually just went and grabbed coffee with somebody yesterday okay somebody on Instagram they're like I'm gonna be in Los Angeles I would love to meet with you for like 30 minutes to pick your brain and I did and I met this woman and we had a really great conversation and it was it was actually really nice I mean it did take a lot of time out of my day that I understand it's not the most time efficient but I mean it really just depends on the person for me I'm happy to do it but you have to give me like a really good reason as to why we're gonna meet yeah I guess it just hit home with me a little bit because I get it I totally get it and like even sometimes when people ask me for coffee I'm like oh yeah you know what I mean I'm like I don't want to or I don't have time or whatever but it's also crazy because I would not have my job right now had I not gotten coffee with someone yeah you know what I mean you have such a strong hustle that you recognize that hustle in in return where you can you can sense based off of the email based off of the approach based off how they reached out to you whether or not they're serious or they're kind of just like I just kind of want to hang out for an hour and get to know you because I've done that too got it like hey I kind of have an idea can you meet me and I'll go and then I'm like this was such a waste of time like you don't have any idea you you 
know, and that was really what they said. They're like, well, I don't really know. I just thought, you know, I would kind of give you this idea and see what you think about it. And okay, I'm like, okay. I'm like, you know. So you think it's about the approach, the email, yeah, the initial exactly. reaching out. It's how you I agree. It. Yeah. It's kind of like relationships. Like, you know what they want. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I love this quote. Someone said, I forget, my friend Remy, actually, mm-hmm. she told me, she was like, if a guy likes you, you'll know. If he doesn't like you, you'll be confused. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it's yeah. just all via it's texting. So like, you know, you, you know. know what I mean? You, you know just convinced you know. yourself of yes. something else. I'm like, well, he said, he, I, he thought I was cute once. Like, that does yeah. not mean no. he likes no. me. But like, you fixate on that one thing yeah, that you like, said well, that one Yeah, I'm like, well, he said time. it on December 3rd at yeah, 330. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much to Apartments.com for sponsoring this episode of Making Moves. Apartments.com believes a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. So who are your favorite podcasts to listen to besides Skinny Confidential? Anyone else? Oh, I like the Goop podcast. Uh-huh. I like Chelsea Handler's uh, Same. Life Will Be the Death of Me podcast. Yeah. That's on here. I like the Skimmed from the Couch. Okay. That's a really good one. So you like to learn. I like to learn. I like to learn and occasionally I like to laugh. So I'll do like a Heather McDonald podcast. <laughs> Love Heather McDonald. Yes. Who has been your favorite guest on your podcast? I would say my favorite guest was it was the it was my 100th episode on No Filter and I had Jenny McCarthy on the show mm-hmm. and I know Jenny McCarthy is a very controversial celebrity a lot of people have very strong she's like Gwyneth Paltrow you have very strong feelings yeah. you either really like her or you really don't like her I've worked with her for the past 10 years and she's wow. been one of my greatest mentors why have you um, worked with her for the last 10 years my brother has autism she had an autism foundation that I 
found. They gave my family a grant, helped us afford a doctor and get a supplement protocol together. And it was just a really great program that I was like, okay, I want to work for this foundation. I want to volunteer for this foundation, whatever. I know you're super involved with that. I was like literally reading your Wikipedia page. So when I was 15, 16, I was like, can I come into the office and volunteer for my summer? And they're like, you're a high school kid and you want to come in and volunteer for your summer? Like, well, we can use the extra hands, but you know, whatever. Yeah. And so I did. And I remember I was like, can I just come every day of the week? And they're like, you're not in school. Why would you want to come in every day of the week yeah. and just volunteer here? Yeah. And I did for the summer. And then eventually I started working for Jenny doing like small temp jobs, like an assistant to her assistant, promoting her book tours, stuff like that. So and she was very involved. Very involved. Just took an interest in me. And so I eventually started working for the foundation, worked my way all the way up, became executive director. Wow. And recently ended my term there. Yeah. Wow. Good for you. Yeah. That is incredible. So, so that was my favorite interview, which happened a couple years ago. It was our 100th episode on No Filter. And it was just because it was a chance for us to sit down and for me to like pick her brain in a different arena. Different way. Got mm-hmm. it. Got it. And who's your dream guest? Probably Gwyneth Paltrow. Really? Yeah. Why? I just, I don't know. I'm fascinated with what she's built with Goop and fascinated with the fact that like she takes on so much online criticism and people really hate her. But like she is just so strong in who she is despite all of that negativity that like I just have such a respect for that. Why do you think people hate her so much? I think because she uh, it's funny I had her chief content officer on our show and she said that like you know Gwyneth is just a very polarizing figure where you know she's unapologetically herself and I think that intimidates people. Got it. I think it's the same reason yeah a lot of people don't like Jenny because she is unapologetically herself. She shares what her opinions are. She shares what she thinks. She doesn't really you can't know, please everyone. You can't please everyone. And I think the people that try to please everyone are the ones that eventually, you know, fade out because they don't have a strong stance. They don't know who they are. Yeah, that's incredible. Have you listened to the podcast with Gwyneth on Dak Shepherds? No. Oh my God, it's so good. Oh, Gwyneth or Chelsea Handler would be my, my other one. Oh, I'd love to have Chelsea. I love Chelsea Handler. Actually, Chelsea was on Dax's too. Is that what you said? I really like yeah, yeah. that one. Okay, Could- listen to the one with Gwyneth. Also, Kate Hudson and her brother, Oliver mm. Hudson, were just on it, which is so good. He has some really good ones. Also, like another him. one of my favorites is Busy Phillips mm. on Dax Shepard's podcast. Did you know that she dated Tom Hanks's son? No. Yes. Colin Hanks. Yes. Wow. Colin Hanks. And basically when Tom Hanks was like in his prime, like she would like go over to her boyfriend's house and that was Tom Hanks's house. Oh my God. Isn't that crazy? Can you imagine? That's wild. Yeah. So anyway, and she would be like on premiere, like red carpet is like with Colin Hanks, like just chilling, like for Tom Hanks is like big movie. It's so interesting. You have to listen to it. Anyway, what other magazines besides Pop Sugar have you written for slash do you write for? I've written for Men's Health. That one actually kind of broke my heart because it ended because the company went through a transition and they got bought out. So the editors that I was working for, some of them ended up leaving the company. Got it. So I kind of just ended up losing that because I was so excited when I got yeah. that and I'd written my first article and it got published got a ton of shit for it really why Which, understandably so it was a hair gummy the vitamin yes yeah okay where I tested it out and then it was in the process of when I first bleached my hair to see if like my hair would stand up to the rough process of bleaching and people were really upset because 
because they're like it's a it's a gummy that's supposed to be for people that are losing their hair and you have a full head of hair. So like I understood, oh. I understood, but I was like whatever. So I did that article, which was great, and then I had written a second article where I had all these like great doctors and experts, and we dive deep into the collagen craze, and that one never got published because that's when the transition happened. Got so you. I missed that one, and then a lot of other smaller publications. Okay, so growing up, were you always into writing? Like, did you love English class? Like, how did you get into becoming a writer? When the idea of me writing my first book kind of came up, I was like, I can't write a book. I was 15 at the time. I was like, I can't write a book. I can't even write an essay and get an A. Yeah. Like, you know, I was so bad at school, but I was just really good with words. Yeah. And I love to talk. Uh-huh. And so it was really just because somebody said, like, uh, you should write a book. Everyone reads books from, like, the moms that have kids with autism, but nobody understands the sibling perspective. Yeah. It's a unique perspective to sit down at a computer and write. And then my mom was like, yeah, why don't you do that? Like, just do it and see what happens. And then I started writing and really kind of fell in love with that. That was the first book that I actually read that where I realized, like, you don't have to be some major scholar to, like... Yes, to, to write like, a book. To write a book. Like, you can have a personality and you can cuss in your books and you can ha- be unfiltered and you can share really personal anecdotes and, like, be honest and real. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be, you, you have know, to be Lord a celebrity. of the yeah. 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 yeah, 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 Lord of the Flies. Like, some iconic, <laughs> you know... That's great. I think it's so impressive that you have written four books? Four books, yeah. Writing my fifth right now. Wow. And you're so young. 26. You're so young. <laughs> That's insane. You wrote your first one at 15. First one at 15. And have they all been about autism? No. So the first one was more of just like a, a compilation book. I had like fam- other families in the community share their stories and their experiences with autism to kind of show like a full 360 view of what autism is. And so a lot of it was like me, you know, guiding the book, but I shared a lot of other stories in it. Second book was humor essays about my time as an activist and realizing like people are like batshit crazy in that community. Yeah. And then my third book, because this is when I was like doing stand up for a couple of years. My third book was called When Life Hands You Lemons, Throw Them at People. Oh, And it was my a gosh. book about like just kind of owning, you know, owning your inner yeah. crazy and, and, you know, using it to build a career for yourself or to build, you know, yeah. to lead on your dreams. And then the, my fourth book was the one that was really like a memoir about autism and my brother. And that's right. Got, got it. Really personal. Obviously, autism is so near and dear to your heart. Why did you decide that you wanted to actually write a book on it and like actually make it such a huge part of your life? Yeah, I think my brother was diagnosed when I was about 11 ish. Okay. So So you were kind of older. uh, Yeah, I was older. He was about three at the time. I was about 11. And then I just remember my mom took a really strong activist role and was like really, you know, trying to rally in the community and try to get him services. And I just saw her hustle to help him. Yeah. And I was like, I want to be a part of this. Got it. You know, especially because it didn't seem like, like my aunt was also really helpful, but like it didn't really seem like everybody else was on board to like really go above and beyond. Yeah. Like, I wanted to like jump in because I felt like, I think I felt a responsibility as the oldest yeah. to be like, I need to take care of him. Uh-huh. Um, and then around the time that I was 15 and I just saw how much work my mom had done in the community, I was like, okay, I want to get involved. Yeah. Too. And then I hosted a fundraiser, which had a couple hundred people. It was really local here in Los Angeles, but we raised like two thousand dollars. I mean, yeah, and that's incredible. I was, I was fifteen, and I was like, I what? I can raise money. Like this is really cool, and 
I put this whole thing together. I got the LA Dodgers to come out and play ball with the kids. Oh like, my god! I got city council. Like now, I look back and I was like meeting with city council That's to get insane. them to like cover the expenses for this event. But it was just because I had that brazen and that you know that fire that, in you, that fire, and I was also naive and dumb enough to believe that I could actually make an impact. Yeah, and I think you're innocent and naive enough at that age yeah. to really believe that you can make an impact Completely. and change the world. And nothing's and intimidating. Think, exactly. And I think that's, you know, what really led my fuel. But at the same time, it also came with a lot of harsh backlash from other people because there were like a lot of older people in that world. And this is why I wrote my second book. There were a lot of older people in that world that I think maybe didn't have that same fire and same passion. So they were intimidated by the spitfire that was trying to, you know, that believed he could change the world at that age. Got it. So uh, how many siblings do you have? I'm the oldest of seven. So my dad did not like to use birth control. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. So you're the oldest. Mm -hmm. Wow. Everything makes sense to me now. (laughs) Why like you're such a go-getter and stuff. So having your brother be diagnosed with autism, what was that like for you and your family? It was interesting. Nobody really explained to me what autism was. Like, I yeah, just knew did you, it was did just, all of a sudden one day you were like, your yeah, brother yeah. has autism. This is what it is or what? So it was interesting because I had so many siblings before my brother Ethan came along that I thought I knew I, I like had this big brother thing down. I was like, I got this. Like, yeah. I'm a build, you know, I need to get a paycheck for this because I'm doing so damn good. <laughs> I need a raise. And by the time Ethan came along, he was responding very, you know, traditionally as, as the rest of them did. And then eventually about when he was 18 months, he had like a really uh, intense regression where he stopped talking, he stopped making eye contact and he just like lost all of those skills that he had developed over the past several months. That and was me, that something that you knew or it was something that I noticed, but I didn't understand. Got it. So the adults were you're having still very young. Yeah, the adults but old were having a conversation about like milestones and maybe taking him to therapy and speech delay. To me, that was way over my head. Where I was just like, my brother's just suddenly lost interest in me, and he like, and I took it personal. I was like, he just has no interest in like, you know, I'm failing as a big brother because I was so good to all the rest of them, and now this one just wants nothing to do yeah. with me. He won't laugh when I try to play with him. He won't respond. He won't make, look me in the eye, and so I took it really personal like not being responsive correct and then eventually once the diagnosis came again it was never really a conversation that was had with me it was a word that I had heard and we would go to like therapy and take him to you know ABA and OT and again I didn't even know what those things meant I just knew these are services he needed yeah and then that's when I decided I really wanted to take on a much bigger role to be like okay I want to help him because I feel like this is my responsibility to take care of him did everyone just kind of, I know you said your mom really jumped into caring and helping for him. Like explain to like people like me that I have no idea. I can't even imagine what that's like. Like, what was that actually like for you? I mean, it really shifted the family dynamic and I think everybody responded and processed it very differently. Okay. I know my stepfather, who is Ethan's father, he, you know, he wasn't really involved, wasn't really engaged. I don't know. He just wasn't really there or present for it, which is, I think, another reason I just, I felt such a responsibility to step up. But no, it was really hard for the family, especially because my mother was doing all of this research and, you know, she was like, okay, I researched, you know, gluten and gluten just seems to be really hard on his body. Body and maybe we should like try a gluten-free diet for him. And then my grandparents were very traditional. They're like, no, you can't put him on a diet. Like they just didn't understand yeah. it. And they're, and she was like, well, you know, maybe we should give him like 
fish oil supplements, you know, because trying to do vitamins. Yeah. She's like, I'm reading these things and these parents are seeing these results. And like, you know, I just want to try. I want to try this. And everyone was like, no, you're going to give him vitamins and you're going to, you know, take gluten away. You're going to deprive him of having fun. And it was just it was a really tough time. And then I even had my uncle who was like, well, I researched that and that's not true. And it's all bogus and quackery. But it was like, but we were starting to implement these things and starting to see the results. And like it was something in it was working, whether it was magic or quackery, whatever it was, it was working. And, you know, and that's another reason is I saw the pushback that my family was giving my mom that I was like, no, she needs an ally in this and I need to jump into the ring and really help her. And I came in hardcore. I remember... I got him like one of the best doctors in the country. How'd you do that? Well, through all of my work, I built so many connections, connections. over a couple of years. That is incredible. That, and it was that? the doctor that helped Jenny with her son. Okay, so here's another thing that I did because you always have to think about like if we can't afford it because like these doctors, some of them because they don't accept insurance and they're specialty doctors, they cost like five six hundred dollars an hour. Yeah. Oh. You can't afford five hundred. No. So I was like, okay, how am I gonna you know figure out a way for us to pay for this? So I ended up talking to a film producer who I went to college with. And I was like, let's do a documentary and let's document all of this. And through that, I was able to get a lot of his treatments covered. I got him an infrared sauna. We redid his room, got it painted with non-toxic paint. We got him a whole new non-toxic bed just because we were doing so much research in the documentary that was showing that like, which now years later, we realized that like, you know, food does play an impact on your body and Uh your mental clarity and you don't do paint with lead anymore. And when you sleep on a bed and it's off gassing and has chemicals coming out of it like that is unhealthy for you yeah. like all of these things that we learned that we explored in the documentary and I was like look if we're going to do it then let's do it and let's film all of it wow. and we did so was, did you get a grant to film like or were people like more willing to do things I, for free since you were filming it for a doc because I had done but they were willing to do it for free or through different sponsorships and partnership deals Got that it. we had worked out and how old were you at the time of this at this point I was 18 19 I mean that's amazing yeah so do you think you had an extra fire underneath your butt because this was your brother and this was so close to home. It was so personal and I just And you needed to do anything you could. Wow. Oh my gosh. The books and it was hard because even a lot of people were like you're doing books and you're doing a documentary like you're now you're just capitalizing off of your brother and they didn't realize that like I was doing all of this not necessarily for the attention for myself but because this is what was gaining us access to the doctors. Yes. The treatments to afford all of this. Yeah. Like I knew like it was way out of reach for what we could financially do. Like I didn't make shit after the documentary. If anything, I lost money off of so many projects and stuff that we did, but it was really just one, because I was the main purpose was to help him. And then the second purpose was to then use our story to help other people. Wow. I mean, that's incredible. The one thing that has kept me sane throughout the 75 hard challenge, and more importantly, has kept me hydrated the most is liquid IV. Y'all, when I tell you, I literally crave liquid IV. Like the lemon lime flavor lives rent-free in my head. First of all, it just always quenches my thirst, but it is perfectly sour and has that tangy taste to it. And it's just so good. Like a nice cold, crisp glass of liquid IV. Oh my gosh. Sounds so good. Whether you hydrate to live or live to hydrate, Liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone with three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks, plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness, all in a single sugar-free stick. So I actually just taste tested all of the flavors for you guys, the pear, the white peach, the green grape, and the lemon lime. And I have to tell you, I still think lemon lime is my favorite. (laughs) 
But my second favorite is green grape. And then my third favorite, believe it or not, is pear. I'm actually shocked by how much I like pear. And then in fourth place for me was the white peach. My favorite thing about Liquid IV is how convenient it is, especially because I am always on the go. I am booked and busy, and I'm sure you guys are too. So being able to pack it so easily in a purse or a carry-on or whatever the case is, like my work bag, I always have a Liquid IV in there because throughout my day, I get so thirsty and nothing truly satisfies my thirst craving other than a Liquid IV. Like it is so good. I literally want to make one right now. And listen, drinking water is great. Like I've been drinking so much water while doing the 75 hard challenge, but one stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates you way better than water alone. And I love it because I feel like it actually revives me. And the best part about it is that there's no artificial sweeteners and zero sugar. However you hydrate, grab your liquid IV hydration multiplier, sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco, or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code TK at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop better hydration today using promo code TK at liquidiv.com. What's your relationship now like with your brother? It's different. It's it's changed a lot because he's gotten a lot older and I've also had, now he's like 18 uh-huh. and I've also had to become mindful of like, we at some point I had to be like, okay, we can't keep pushing our story and putting it out there because like he's getting older and I want to make sure we respect his privacy. Yeah. Especially because he like became a teenager and then like started going through puberty during Got filming it. and I was yeah. like, right now that now we're like, this is a bit too much and I don't want him to like be 21 one day and look back and be like, you, yeah. you know, I was, why'd you, you do know, that? Yeah. I was a teenager. I was going through puberty and that was an awful time for me and I was like, okay, at some point, like, you know, I kind of had to take a step back and then it was also challenging because like I had such an active role that I think it allowed my mother to kind of take a backseat in certain things. Uh-huh. And so I would become frustrated with like, well, I'm getting us access to the doctors and to all of these treatments. Uh-huh. And so I think she kind of, you know, like took a backseat. And yeah. so it felt like I was putting in a little more of the effort uh-huh. to the point where I was like, okay, I kind of need to step back and let her step back up to the plate. Yeah. And also realize, and I also got to a point where I felt like I was starting to like parent her and it was hindering my relationship with my mother to the point where I was like, okay, like this is now a, a point where I need to start to have my own life and like allow her to wow. be the mom to my brother. And that was really hard was relinquishing that control and letting go. Oh my gosh. I mean, you literally sound so wise beyond your ears. <laughs> like I literally, I can't even imagine going through what you go through, but thank you so much for sharing all of that. Thank you. Do you talk about it? I haven't oh. talked about it in a really long time. Yeah. Like even like in thinking back to a lot of that stuff, I was like, wow, I forgot. It. I mean, my last book, which was the, uh, the one about our lives is back in 2014. So it's been been five years. Yeah, it's been Yeah. Do you think that it's important for people to have something near and dear to their heart, to have something that's bigger than them to like help out with like a cause or something? Yes. That's when you're actually going to care and you're going to be willing to put in the grunt work. And it was interesting because there came a point where I had to shift out of autism and then I was shifting into this world of like pop culture and lifestyle where, you know, we, I interview celebs and I, you know, pick their brains about sex and their dating life. And yeah. that's such a contrast. Yeah. And it was really hard for me to go from being an activist and running a foundation and helping families and like having that direct kind of oh, activism and then being like, this feels so selfish of me to walk away and then host a pop culture yeah. show after all of this that but at the same time I was like but look at one of my other passions aside from helping people is like really making people laugh and I've been doing stand-up since I was 18 yeah. and I've done like the comedy store and the laugh factory and 
yeah. Gotham in New York. You know, that was always kind of a passion pop culture I've always geeked out over. Yeah. And there's just like a deep appreciation. I'm like, look, you can have that balance. You can have both. You can, yeah. Wow, and, what a great example for and, people. Yeah. And like my passion shifted from, you know, helping people in that way to like, now I love to like make people laugh and help people learn new things in a way that's An relatable and entertaining way. and Got fun. It. Yeah. Agreed. I love that. I think it's so cool that you have so much more to you than like the housewives and the yeah. gossip and the fun dating stuff. Even though for me, that's so fun too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You also grew up in LA. What was that like? Oh, girl, I grew up in the hood. I grew up in the hood. It took me a <laughs> long time. You just sounded like Jeffree Star when you said that. <laughs> I. It took me a long time to even kind of embrace that. For the longest time, I felt like I was just trying so hard to get out uh-huh. that I didn't really own the fact that, like, I, you know, grew up right outside of downtown, but, like, in the not-so-nice part of downtown, like, where we grew up, like, I mean, we live in downtown now, but, like, you didn't mess with downtown yeah. when I was growing up. Like, it was scary. That's what it people was, say. Like, people yeah. say it was, like, the walking dead. Like, no one came. Yeah downtown no you would avoid it like the plague if you could but yeah i grew up here why was there just nothing here there was a lot of gang violence there was a lot of homeless people it was just unsafe but yeah i grew up in los angeles have always been in los angeles have really had no desire to ever leave but i lived in the heart of la up until i was about 17 and then when i was 17 because i was also going to school out here and i was in high school and i at that point i was like okay i'm ready to really focus on my career because at that point like my first book had come out my second book was coming out and I told my mom I was like okay I'm, I did this traditional high school thing I'm done with it I found an online homeschooling program I'm gonna move in with my grandparents in West Covina I've already talked wow. to the principal I already talked to the deans everybody thinks oh my it's gosh, a terrible you're so like independent I was like everybody thinks it's a terrible idea and they hate it but I've already signed your your signature on the paperwork and this is happening and she's like okay I support you wow so do you think this all is like making sense to me because like you take initiative and you make things happen that you want to happen. And I was about to ask you because I saw that you have Nicole Lappin is I saw that you have had her on your podcast and Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, I've literally read her book. Yeah. Rich bitch. And I was like one of the first finance and also gaining value, like bettering myself, like learning books that I like decided to read just because I wanted to, not because I had to or like Mm -hmm. school, like a professor or a teacher was telling me to. And I loved it. And I, I wanted to ask you, what advice would you give someone that are like other podcasters to get all these awesome dope guests. I know there's a whole thing about like maintaining the relationship or starting it or initiating it or whatever, but what are some tips you would give someone to like meet high profile people and and make it a normal thing, like maintain friendships, things like that. It's funny. I remember when I was first doing the whole fundraising thing at like 15, 16, there was a park director. And I remember when I was trying to get them to donate the park for us to use for the event. And I I kept calling her and she'd be like, okay, I have a meeting on Tuesday. So I'd call her at Tuesday at 10 a.m. And then eventually she, just, she, she told my mom, she's like, your son is just very persistent. <laughs> and that's really what it is. It's about persistence and it's really just about making the move. I think too many people overthink like, how am I going to do it and where am I going to do it? And it's really just reach out, find the email on Instagram. If it's a celebrity, you can find their publicist contact on like IMDb Pro, like the information's out there. A lot of people have personal websites where they have management teams that you can contact form submissions or you can DM people yes. on Instagram. I think it really just starts with taking the first step and being like, okay, I'm just going to put in a cold 
to ask. And then if you don't hear back, maybe follow up, send a follow up email. Yeah. I, I mean, there have been so many guests that I've had to follow up with. I mean, Lauren Everett's from the Skinny Confidential. I had to follow up with them for months before and they kept rescheduling. Yeah. And like, you know, they're just you just have to be persistent and you have to be willing to just go out there and put yourself out there. Is there a such thing as following up too much or reaching out too much? I think you know that point. You know that point where the company is just like really not interested. Like it's not happening. You know it's not happening. And then maybe you try again like in six months or a year later when your platform has grown. Yeah. But like, look, I'll give you an example. When I first started No Filter, you know, people say there's no money in podcasting, but I got my first paid sponsorship deal right when the show started. How'd you get your sponsorship? Found the marketing director. So the first sponsor I ever had was Califia Farms. Which oh, really? Milk brand, and loved the almond milk brand. Love them. Did so much research online to find an email to the marketing director. And I just reached out to her. I put together this, you know, ghetto little pitch deck that was really just like a word document. Got her on the phone with me. That's always kind of my strategy is always do your best to get them on the phone. Because if you can get them for 10 minutes and like you can make that sale, Got you it. know, versus an email or a pitch deck, like it just, it takes- it's not as easy to say no. Yeah. Exactly. I remember after my first conversation with her, my pitch was for $400 mm-hmm. and it was to, instead of the traditional 30 second ad read, I was like, what I want to do is do a drink of the week. That's a, a cocktail that uh-huh. incorporates your products. And so they're, you know, cocktails that I'll design, I'll do all the photos and yeah. everything and we'll make it the drink of the week of the show. I'll tag you guys in the description, whatever, whatever. It's a hundred dollars per episode, but you have to buy four episodes. And yeah. she's like, okay, sure. 400 bucks. And that was like my first deal. Oh, and my God. Three years later, come to adulting, same strategy, but in adulting, we had raised 20,000. Yeah. Wow. Launching adulting, using the same principles, but having a little more, you know, brazen to ask for a little more money. And at that point, have, a, you know, a little bit more leverage. So do you do all of your own deals? Mm-hmm. And for people that like don't have managers or teams or agents and stuff, what do you suggest as far as like, should you reach out to brands you only want to work with? How much should you be pitching yourself for? Things like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, now we're also in a place where we're starting with Abrams, who is representing us for adulting. Now. And so they're helping with some of the deals, which at first I thought they were going to be a much bigger, not necessarily that they're not a support, but I realized that I'm still the type of person that like really likes to yeah. take the initiative. And like, I'm going to be my biggest advocate. So I'm constantly going out there and like pushing it. But I guess my advice would be you should always go with brands you already use and know. Got it. So always. it's just natural. Always. Like I have a friend, I won't say her name because she'll like bite my head off if I give it away, but she has a podcast and she's like, I went on, you know, Audible and I signed up for their, you know, percentage deal or affiliate deal. And I went on, you know, this delivery service and I'm like, but do you use any of those things? And she's like, no, but all the other podcasts are doing it. I go, but like, you're not going to have the same passion behind it or the same testimonials or the same story and people aren't going to feel that. It's not going to be naturally integrated into the content. Exactly. And even if it's like a brand that doesn't want to pay you up front, show them some love on social media, show your followers that you are really interested in them. Even Eventually, they'll take notice of that. And you can even use that to build a case study. Be like, look at on my Instagram stories. On everyone my Instagram knows account, I'm obsessed with Truly. Everybody blah, knows blah, blah. I'm obsessed with it. So it's the most organic fit. Yeah. My audience already knows that this is a thing. Like, give us a discount code, whatever. Got it. And then got when it, it, it comes it. to determining what your worth is, I was talking to a brand. A really I mean, even brand. me, like... I don't have representation, but Mm -hmm. I do have a lot of friends in the industry that give me great advice. 
And even for me, like two days ago, this brand reached out to me and wanted to do an Instagram thing. And I was interested in the brand, very interested, knew the brand. I used the brand. I was like, perfect. And they're like, name your rate. And I'm like, oh God, like I have no idea what my rate is. You know what I mean? Like I've grown a little bit since my last deal. What do I say? Say, And I like honestly just threw out a number that I thought was like, at first I was like going to lowball it. And then I was like, you know what, Taylor? I don't even really care. Like I don't need this brand deal. Like I'm just going to YOLO it. Right. So I did it a little more than I typically do. And they literally no negotiation they were like yeah that's perfect I was like so shook so I was like how the heck do I know what to say and what not to say I think you have to really I mean because there's like the traditional advice that's like know your worth but then you have people out there that are like trying to make $30,000 deals off of like one Instagram post yeah like you have to calm down yeah and I was having a conversation (laughs) with the brand the other day where they're like the rates are just so all over the market that like we don't even understand what it is yeah and so I think one thing you have to remember is that it is a very competitive market. You always want to make sure that your rates are competitive, but at the same time, you always want to make sure that you're providing some additional value or clout or something. So yes. like with me, when it comes to brand deals, I never like to do a one-time podcast mention or a one-time Instagram post. Got it. I like to do a whole package. And so what I do is I... That's really smart. Mm-hmm, and so I leverage email. I leverage Instagram. I leverage Facebook and Twitter because I think those are underutilized tools. I leverage the podcast. Like I try to put everything together and put packages. Got and I like to break them up into four different tiers at four different price levels. Got it. And so the thought is it's taking the traditional marketing rule of seven, where like a consumer has to see something seven times before they're willing to actually make the purchase, yes. which I think is so true. And like, if you have one influencer, that's like, I'm only going to do a 30 second ad read, you know, whatever, whatever, like it doesn't give them as yes. much of an ROI and they want, you know, as much exposure for yes. what they're paying, you know? Yeah. So I like to just break them down into different tiers. And then what I do before I even pitch them the price points is I'll send them the initial deck and then I'll try to get them on the phone. And then once I have them on the phone, I'm like, okay, what's your budget range for working with influencers or working in the podcasting world? Got it. What is your ballpark that you'd like to work with? And then I also ask them what their marketing objectives are and what they would consider an ROI to be from this partnership. Wow. That way they one note when I say marketing objectives and ROI, which were terms I had to learn, they think, oh, this is somebody that has their shit together. They know what you they're know, doing. They know what they're talking and about. It's like, what the heck do you want to make money off of? Like, what what do you want me to sell here? Yeah. And then based off of what their objectives are and what they're looking for, and all of the deals have been so unique, but based off of their objectives and based off of their budget price points, I can then break things down. And then one thing that I always like to remember too, is like, go with the number that's going to make you feel accomplished or make you feel like you've won a victory and not like you're at your dire wits end just to pay your rent. Go with something that's a little more than what you need. That makes because, you feel like, yes, I got the yes, deal. Because, and always take it up maybe about 10% more. Really? Because if they say no, you can, you come, can come back and be like, well, I'll give it to you at this discounted rate or I'll give it to you for this price. But and then you me, still feel in that victorious Okay, range. for me though, like I know it's just an in my head thing, but like what advice would you give even to me or like to people like me? I'm like, I feel crazy saying that rate, right? Like just, just do it. Just do it because you're like, gonna, I just like, don't want them to the, think like, oh no, my God, she's ridiculous for saying reality. that. You're going to do it and they're going to say no. I've been told a million times. So many brands that have told me no a million times only to then eventually say yes. Okay. You know, so they're the worst gonna, that's going to happen is they say no. The 
worst that can happen is they say no and you try again in six months. Got it. And when you come back in six months, make sure that you have proof that says my show has grown or this is changed. This yeah. is why I'm coming back to you is because there's been some type of evolution or growth. Got it. So even when I come back to brands that we've worked with every season of the show, I'm like, this is what's different about this upcoming season. This is how much the show has grown. This is where I think you're going to see the Completely. most value. And, wow. like, look, and I like to get really creative with the different packages. Some brands want just like the brand awareness. So you make sure you do Instagram posts and you give them a lot of love. And then I remember that was one company that really wanted influencer engagement. And I knew we had access to a lot of different people in the community uh-huh. in their space or in their category. And I was like, look, we'll bring your product. We'll have it available in studio. We'll give the guests free product. And then if they like it, I'm happy to help foster that connection so you can build upon that relationship. Yeah. And so that was a really big thing that the brand was interested in. And then, you know, they ended up making really great connections with people. That's amazing. So you kind of were the connect for that. Yeah. Which normally, you know, they can cold ask the influencers team, but like there's no guarantee that anything's going to happen. And also it's more organic. organic. Yeah. It's more organic when you're like, wait, what? Like even when you gave me the blondie, I'm like, wait, I actually love this drink. Like I want to do a deal. Like I want to drink it. I want to do a deal with them. Like, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. So that's actually really great advice. Like for me, it's weird because I'm so immersed in this influencer world and I work for one and stuff, but it's like, I have no idea about the deals and stuff. Like that's all manager and agent stuff. But the reality is, and I'll tell you, nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody knows. (laughs) Not even the managers. I'm realizing because like, I'm like, this is my strategy and this is how I would approach it. And they have a very different approach Approach. and, you know, way about going about certain things. And I kind of like to push a little bit and I'm like, but I think this will give us more value or this will, you know, make a little more money or be a little more beneficial for the brands or for everyone involved. And, you know, the reality is it's such a unique time that like everybody's trying to figure it out. Brands are trying to figure it out. Agents are trying to figure it out. And nobody has that system down that as long as you walk into the room acting confident, like you have it, like, you know, like, you know, they're going to trust you more as the authority. Because look at if there are two influencers and they both come into the pitch room and one of them's confident and like, I'm going to give you an ROI at the end of the day. Yeah. And another one comes in and like, I don't know. What do you mean? Yeah. They're going to be like, I'm going to go with the one that's confident. Yeah. Even if she doesn't know what she's doing, yeah. she's making she's it all confident. up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, got you. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Let's get into the polls. Let's get into the polls. We had some fun polls. Yeah, we do. Okay, so would you, this is like so like hard hitting, like the first poll. Would you ever have sex with a porn star? Yeah. Okay, so to explain the story you told me. Okay, so. I'm like, hey, Zach, so I do polls on my podcast. Like, do you have any like juicy dating ones? This is his first suggestion. So I'm like, well, actually, I have a really unique story. I was like, I accidentally ended up having or trying to have sex with a retired porn star. And it was really where we'd met on an app. We'd been talking for a while. And I was like, why don't you come over? I think it was Tinder. Okay. And I was like, why don't you come over and, you know, we'll have drinks. And he's like, okay, yeah, I'll come over. He'd lived, you know, low. Locally and he wasn't too far. So he comes over and then he shows up at my door with a, a spectrum tote bag. Okay. I was like, why do you have a tote bag? I'm like, what do you, yeah. are you spending the night? Like, what do you, I didn't invite yeah. you to spend the night. I invited you for a drink. And then he's like, oh no, it's my laptop. I brought my laptop with me. And I was like, why did you bring your laptop? Uh-huh. I was like, do you have work to do? And he's just like, no, I just thought, you know, we could watch porn. And I was like, well, first, I was like, first of all, I'm offended <laughs> that you don't think I have my own laptop and, and yeah. or television to watch porn on. And then, I was like, okay, this is strange. I'm like, well, whatever. And so I'm like, okay. He brings his 
his own laptop to watch porn. I was like, we're, we were having a drink. Like, what do you? What is happening? Were you like so taken back? Were you like? Wait, I was really what? taken. Nobody's ever showed up to my house with a laptop to watch porn before. Also, like, when that was he said so that, unique. like, what did you do? I was like trying to be funny and trying to make a joke of it, and I was like, oh, haha. I was like, well, would you ever do porn? And then he's like, actually, I did. I've done porn in the past. And I was like, what do you? You've like, you're a porn star. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh my god, can I watch? He's like, what kind of porn do you want to watch? I was like, can we watch your porn? And I didn't expect him to say yes. And he was like, yeah, sure. And so he's putting on his porn. And oh, watching it. it was the my. most cringeworthy. At this point, were you just like playing along with this for like entertainment purposes? Or yes, and or were you actually, I was into actually him? both? I w- it was sixty percent for entertainment and forty percent because there was a chance that I would have sex with him. I and feel then, like if someone said that to me, I would be like, please leave right now. No, I was like fully. I was like, if I'm in this, then I'm gonna go all the way. And then so eventually, like you know, we started making out, and then you know we tried to have sex but he couldn't get it up because probably because he watches so much damn porn but he couldn't get it up because oh he said his neighbor had just died yesterday his neighbor was murdered what? and I was like whoa this is just getting crazier and crazier God, this is literally sounds like a movie it, it felt like a movie like and I was, craziest it was movie. funny because I was also like texting my friend Katie and sending her like Instagram stories of everything that was going on so she was like dying because she was living it in real life but yeah he's like it's just been there's just been a lot of stress on my mind and all of this stuff and he's like but you know what what I can do is I have a dealer and my dealer can get me Viagra but it'll take him about 45 minutes what so what'd you do were you like please leave and at that point I was like yeah you gotta go I was like I'm not gonna wait because at, at that point it was like 11 and I was like I'm not gonna wait 45 minutes oh, for you to what? get a pill and then take your pill and then I was like no at this point we're done like I'm sorry homie swipe left like this is done like I've had enough like I've had to deal nurse you through your your murdered neighbor which I don't know how true that story was and why I literally my jaw is like ugh, dropped like what yeah but I mean if he got it up there was a good like 70% chance we probably would have had sex okay so 14% said yes they would only 14 86% why? said no I mean, I guess porn stars aren't really. Well, th- and this is the reason I mostly don't watch girls porn. are saying yes too. Well, yeah, because wow, you, because you got the guys in porn like have you know a giant penis and they just look like they know what they're doing, but that's not really the case. Okay, a few of my oh my god, a few of my guy friends are saying yes. I'm very Naturally. uncomfortable. It's weird when I like see people you know. Yeah, I'm like okay. I actually went on a date recently with a guy that used to be a porn producer. Okay, and he used to, I guess, like I don't know. Direct point. I don't know what he did exactly. He had a production company that he was telling me about, and he was just saying that like it's it's not what people expect it to be. Like it's really rehearsed and like I've heard it's very a like video takes like six hours to shoot and you have to reshoot and it's like it's exhausting. I've heard it's very a real production. Like it's very it's, like you're on set, you're an actor. It's yeah. not like it's, it's not like we expect. Yeah, and it's like weird because there's all these camera people. It's just like very like a real production, and it's, you know, I mean, same with like I. Have worked for big studios and stuff before, and like when they film like sex scenes or like yeah. even makeout scenes, like it's so weird because it's like literally there's a camera awkward. right in your face, like like camera guys everywhere, yeah, or girls, and it's just like it's so strange, yeah. And like I don't like to watch porn only because I'm I'm so weird. I when I watch it, I'm always just thinking about like 
where did this person like what happened in their life to the point where they felt like this yeah you're thinking deep into did it they think that it was going to be a fun process and now they're hating it or do they have like daddy issues that they're trying to work yeah, out yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm always like over analyzing the situation yeah i'm not into the whole thing but i find it very fascinating yeah. especially the whole production side yeah. of it just because like i'm a production nerd anyway would you ever do porn that's your next question i don't think I would ever do porn. No. I definitely would never. <laughs> I don't think I would ever. Do. I would never bang a porn star. Why? I just, it doesn't sound appealing to me. Anyway, 7% said they would, they said yes. They would do porn? Here. Really? Yeah. Wow, these results are surprising. Why? What did you think? Well, I mean, no, I guess that's pretty standard. I wouldn't expect most people to do porn. Oh, th- wow, I guess the a fact lot that of girls. even like, yeah, I would do porn. I'm honestly shocked. I'm interested too, because we just posted these and like already a couple thousand have voted, but I'm interested to see tomorrow, which the actual results yeah, are yeah, because yeah. like after 24 hours, should you talk about kids and marriage on a first date? Yes. I always do. Why? Because I feel like, look, I'm all about the efficiency. Like, I need to know if your plans are to, you know, be a photographer in Ohio in five years and like swipe left. Like, I like it's not going to work out. I'm not moving to Ohio so you can pursue your dreams of like shooting photography of potatoes. What do they have in Ohio? I don't. I, that's I know. <laughs> that's I, know. I, know. <laughs> I know. Sorry. Sorry. I'll probably get shit for that. But yeah, I just I need to know up front if this is going anywhere. Got it. Like, so what are your thoughts? Do you want to get married? Do you want to have kids? Um, I'm open to marriage. I don't want to have a wedding. I definitely want to have children. And I've already made up my mind that like if I'm in my early to mid 30s and I don't have any real potentials, like I'll have a family on my own. Love that. I feel like that's a very L.A. thing. Yeah. But people don't really get married until after like 30. Yeah. Anyway, like 30s to 20. I would say definitely. Well, not definitely, but no, I wouldn't talk about kids or marriage. You think you have to wait? I think wait to talk about it. Why? Because here's the thing. I feel like as the girl, if I brought that up, the you guy can't. would be like, oh my God, this girl's psychotic. Crazy, yeah. This girl's crazy. Blah, 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 because girls are like, apparently to all guys were quote crazy. Yeah. Right. So like, I, I would just expect guys immediately to be like, oh my God, this girl's so crazy. I would never. I mean, but I also do it in a way that's kind of like cheeky and like joking. Yeah. But like well, how also do you, kind how of do you picks say their it? brain. I don't know. I, well, I mean, I guess I, I do it very like bluntly to the point where it kind of catches them off guard but it's yeah. not like aggressive in a way that's like I'm trying to get married like I just I don't know but I do you think to- would you actually recommend girls to say that because like I wouldn't recommend my friend do that my like, girlfriend I mean there's something to be said that the fact that I'm still single <laughs> There's something to be said about that. Like, I'm not saying that this tactic works, but I do think you should add, it's important to, maybe not on the first date, maybe, you maybe just I'm a little know too aggressive, intentions. but I think it's important to get those things out of the way right away, especially because like now I'm at the point where it's like, I'm not 19 and dating just for love and believing that love's going to win at the you end of the day. You don't want to waste time. No. And like, I'm also at the point where like, I'm dating for compatibility and, you know, trying to be practical about it and yeah. trying to be like, I want to start a family and that's something that's important to me. Uh-huh. And so I think... I think it's important to whatever your values and whatever is important to you in a relationship it's important to know those answers sooner rather than later I, yeah i understand the intention behind it for sure only 13 percent said yes you should talk about kids and marriage on the first date mm. interesting. interesting a lot of girls are saying it okay next one when should you first have sex with someone 
first three dates, like within the first three dates or after three dates? My rule used to be after the first three dates, just because I'm like, we really need to build interest and whatever. And now I'm just at the point, again, back to the efficiency. Like, I'm just like, You're we, just need not wasting time. we need to get this out right away <laughs> so I can see if this is worth the investment. Uh, no, like I definitely respect that, but I'm definitely voting after three days. You know what I do though, is I like to go speed dating. Okay. You talked about this in the podcast I was listening yeah. to you on. What the heck does that mean? So it's basic. I mean, it's like what you would imagine. It's like you're going on 20 different dates and it's with 20 different guys and all of the dates are like six minutes long. Wait, how does this, is this like a group activity? Mm-hmm. You can buy tickets to it. I've done it four times now. And you basically, you go to a bar, everybody's there. You actually speed date. Oh my gosh. And do they have this for everyone? Like anyone mm-hmm. can do it? They have it for guys and girls, girls and girls and guys and guys. Wow. That's crazy. I've done it four times now, but I mean, what if you talk to someone for six minutes and you're like, oh my God, I think this is my person. Okay. So you also have a scorecard. Oh, you keep wait, track. Yeah. You have a scorecard where you write their names down and like how you would rank them. And then at the end of the night, you pick your top five, you turn in your scorecard with your top five to the organizer. Yeah. And then if you both have listed each other in your top five, they match you and connect you the next morning. Connect to you like with numbers or something? Yeah. Oh, what? That is insane. And how do you sign up? They have them on Eventbrite. Okay. I just, I just Googled it one day and I found and it. And like, how much I is it? Like, how much is a ticket? I think it's like 25 bucks. Oh my God. That is so cool. Yeah. See, I feel like my podcast should like host something like that. I've been wanting to do something like that. Literally. Yeah. Especially because I feel like for me and my friends, I don't know if you like know through my Instagram, but I always talk about guys that I call 307s. Okay. Basically, it's like, there's no cool, straight, chill guys, I feel like in LA. Mm. Like that I have yet yeah, to yeah. meet. There's like all these like model actor, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like I'm not into that. Yeah. Like I just want a guy's guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or a guy that like literally is in finance. You know what I yeah. mean? Like a ring. You need a guy that grew up in LA. Cause, really? Yeah. You because, think? Like I feel like I know a lot of those types of guys, but it's because I grew up with them, you know? But like people that I've met through work or in the industry, like they're not those types of guys. But also I'm like, I'm not in the financial district. Yeah. So it's like, I, I yeah. guess I need and to meet most them of the at- Guy, and most of the guys that grew up in LA are not trying to pursue a career in entertainment. Got it. Got it. Got it. They're That's really work, interesting. Like job. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I would say after three dates and so did 85% of the people. Interesting. Should you go on dates with people you don't think you'll like? I mean, I'm not a big fan of that. But so here's one thing that I actually learned through speed dating is when you're meeting these guys, I would off of my first impression of just seeing them, I would be like swipe left. If I saw them on a dating app, I would not have had a conversation. But when you see them in person, when you experience them them in person, when you have a conversation with them in person, like it's just such a different. It's so different. It's it's just way different. And I have changed my mind about, you know, some guys. Yeah. You know, based off of meeting them in person. I think you should always give somebody the benefit of the doubt. And I, based off of all the dating experts I've had on my shows, they all say like, it's good to go out with people that you maybe not necessarily are attracted to, or if they express interest, it's good to kind of, you know, give them a shot because maybe it's a bad date and it's a great story, or you at least get to kind of build your dating muscle. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Build your dating muscle. Mm -hmm. Like going to the gym. Oh my God. See, I feel like I need to do that. I would say as much as I don't want to say yes, I think yes, you You should. say yeah yeah I agree like I don't like for me like I don't listen to myself like 
when when someone shows interest in me, I'm like, it's weird. Like when someone shows interest in me, I'm like, wait, but I don't like you. Like it's like, yeah. We, yeah. like I don't know if it's a girl thing, but like, homegirl over here like loves like the chase or like yeah. loves the I like. A lot of us love the chase, and then a lot of us and loves I re- the idea of like winning someone over, mm-hmm. like whatever. But not only that, it's a lot deeper rooted. I had Doctor Doctor V, who's a a therapist on the Adulting podcast recently, and she was saying that people when they engage in that behavior regularly it's because they don't necessarily feel like they deserve love or they're not ready to be in a relationship and they think that they are but they're not really wow they're not really ready and so they're self-sabotaging no you're probably very right (laughs) okay yeah but i think yeah you should and i should too 52 percent said yes Mm, that's good so i feel like this is like exactly what i'm thinking in my head like yeah yeah, i probably should but yeah 48 percent of me doesn't want to probably because most of them are in relationships and realize that they probably would have never guessed well i mean definitely people that i've like developed a crush for or like have even dated i was not initially into yeah you know what i mean it's just like definitely it's like a deeper level thing is it embarrassing to admit you've met your significant other on a dating app oh i kind of feel like yeah I mean, I feel like it's becoming more normalized. It depends on the dating app. Like, you don't want to be on, like, a sleazy dating app. Like, what or like, What would you consider sleazy? I guess for, like, a gay guy grinder. Yeah. Or, like, a, a scruff. I've never really been on, like, a scruff. Or, like, they have, like, other ones. Like, I think squirt is, I don't know. They have, like, really gross names. But, like, you don't want to be, like, I met my boyfriend on squirt. Yeah. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a real app. I hope that's, it's probably, I don't think that's a real app. Like, for me personally, I don't think it's embarrassing at all to say you're met on a dating app. Like, if I met you on Bumble, then I'm like, okay, like, I wouldn't be, like, you know. Especially, I don't know about you, but, like, all myself and, like, all my friends use Hinge. Yeah. And I feel like, literally, I've met so many, like, of my friends have met, like, their actual person they're going to marry through Hinge. So, yeah. I'm like, eh, whatever. Yeah. At least in LA, it's so normalized. Like, back home yeah. where I'm from, it's, like, more like, oh, my God, you didn't meet on a picnic? Like, what? But, but like, because that's the norm. Yeah. There. But yeah. like for here, it's so normal to be on an app. We don't have time. Yeah. Nobody's going on yeah. picnics here. Yeah. 74% said no, it's not embarrassing. It's becoming more normalized. Which I feel like that's great. Like literally if I would have done this like a year ago, I feel like it would have been way different. Yeah. Percentage. Should you split the bill on a first date? Yes. What about, would you tell me that I should split the bill on a first date? Oh, that's a good question. Because you're saying for well, guys, right? Well, With guy I, think, and guy. I think. I'm saying for a girl. And yeah. A guy. It's interesting, and I probably might get shit for saying this as well, but at this point, I'm used to it. <laughs> I think it's it's interesting because we're in an era where there are a lot of women that, like, really are like, I want to be equal to a man. I want to be, you know, I want to be on the same playing ground. But yeah. I think that kind of blurs the lines for a lot of straight men that I've talked to. Not to say that this is an an excuse for them no to I behave. agree I but agree. like I think it blurs the lines for them where they don't know if it's appropriate to pay for the first date they don't know if it's appropriate to open the they door they don't want to offend they don't want to offend you because people are being offended by you know not all but some people are offended if you open the door because they think that that's a sign that they're not self-sufficient or they're not see I'm a sucker for like the traditional yeah. dating like I love when a guy opens yeah. the door I, I love it when they pay the lines are so blurred right now that like we're in, an, in a time where we're relearning what the new norm is got it you know and so 
So I think, I don't know. I th- Do I think a man should pay for a woman on a date? I think it's the traditional courteous thing to do to offer. To offer. To offer. Okay. Do you think the girl should be like, no, I got it. Or, or be like, um, no, 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 we can split. See, it's interesting because I still feel like I like the traditional, like the guy should pay and not allow the girl to pay. Like, I just like that. Tradition. Yeah. But do you think the girl should still offer? I think it's nice to offer only because I know I've been in situations with like friends and stuff where like I'll offer and if they don't play the oh let me get my wallet let me pretend then I'm kind of like oh then you're just expecting see, me to pay see I would I always offer just because I yeah, feel like think. even if I want you to pay I'm still going to grab my wallet yeah. and act like I'm going <laughs> to yeah I still do the whole fake let me get my wallet yeah and I'm fully prepared to pay if I need to because I'm yeah. throwing that card out there but yeah I think it's a little offensive to me when people assume that because because I make more money that I'm responsible to pay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. 53% said no, you should not split the bill. 47% said yes. Interesting. So more people And most don't. of my followers are girls. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, but I also think that like there we've set a, a precedent of like the man should pay for the days. Okay, so here's where I think the other rule is like I think the person that asks the other person out should be should, the one yeah, to, to offer. initiate. Got yeah, it. I to agree. Initiate. I agree. If completely. you ask that person no out, matter what the yeah, exactly. no matter what the relationship is, I agree. Okay. If it's obvious that one person makes way more money than the other on a date, mm-hmm. are they expected to pay? The person with I don't more think money? they should be. No. No, I sh- I don't think they I think it goes back to the who asked who on the yeah. date. 82% said no. So, glad people are not Good, in it. <laughs> yeah, no, cuz I've just been in so many situations. I remember one time I even I had a group of friends on my show and we went out to eat cuz I always used to take my guests out to eat cuz we would do like evening tapings and we would go out to eat after we taped the show and it was like a birthday episode that I had taped that we yeah, had yeah, taped yeah. and so I had a couple of friends on and so th- then afterwards we went to dinner and so I'm expecting since this is a larger party like and we'll split it a couple different ways but then there was like an expectation for me to cover the bill and I was like one it's my birthday and two like the fact that you guys are just expecting me to cover no, the tab was a little like okay. yeah yeah that rubbed me the wrong way oh my gosh I do not when like people that. do that it's just eh Like, if you assume somebody makes more money, they still let them offer. Yeah. And also, it just has nothing to do with... If someone makes more money than you, it has nothing to do with you expecting. Yeah. Like, you should never expect that from them. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's my personal opinion. Agreed. But uh, I hope you had fun on the pod. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having... We talked about everything from, like, autism and hustle to, like... I know. I wanted to get through everything. No, but I love... everything. I loved it, because I think oftentimes you get to see only one side of a person, and you don't get to see the... the Yeah. I know. I think it helped because I honestly, you have so much to you that I like literally had to write out like exactly what I wanted to talk about. Please pimp yourself out and tell people where to follow you and find you and stuff. Yeah. My handle is just plain Zach, which is my website. Everything is just plain Zach all over the internet. And then I have two shows. Hashtag no filter with Zach Peter. We do pop culture breakdowns on Mondays and celebrity interviews on Wednesdays. And then hashtag adulting comes out on Tuesdays. Awesome. Yeah. Be sure to listen to our episode on hashtag no filter. It was so fun so juicy he even asked me some poll questions which is super fun and also be sure to follow me on instagram at tk's juicy polls following me on instagram you can vote in the polls and participate in the podcast so that's what this is all about so make sure you do that leave a review and a rating on both of our podcasts go gas us up and today's episode is brought to you by angie 
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com.